today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. I'm the problem. And we as Christians can be the problem and cause problems and be a burden, be a troublemaker, and it disrupts that body of believers and it brings in what we're going to talk about next, which is conflict and strife and division. The body cannot be divided. The body has to be united. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. In today's message, Pastor J.D. will be talking about the body of Christ. This is a vital part of our walk with God. Even though each part of our human body is used for something different, every single part has a purpose and is necessary. In the same way, we as Christians have different purposes in the body of Christ. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews chapter 13 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Beginning in verse 25, he knows this is going to be the last time he's going to see his brothers and sisters there. So he says, now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Some of your translations render it the whole counsel of God, the whole word of God. And then he says this, here's the exhortation. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Doubtless the Apostle Paul had in mind what's recorded in Ezekiel. The prophet Ezekiel has a chilling, and I mean that's an understatement, a chilling warning to watchmen, to leaders, those who would guard the flock as it were. And he says, if you see a threat coming and you don't warn the people, their blood is on your hands. I will hold you to an account, because you did not warn them. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. I'm free of the blood. I have no one's blood on my hands. Flip that around. Now, as a watchman, a leader, a pastor, a teacher, if you warn the people and they don't heed the warning, no blood on your hands. It's on them. So there, <laughs> the pressure's off of me, because when I give an account, I did not hold back. Oh my goodness, did I? Oh, there, there were times, like every week, where I'm thinking to myself, Lord, <laughs> no, can't I just get up there and just, it's all good, everything's going to be okay, let's just have a group hug. No. There were those in Jeremiah's day, Isaiah's day, Ezekiel's day, 
They were saying, peace, peace, when there was no peace. I'm reminded, his name is Micaiah. Not a lot of people know him, but God deemed it necessary to record his name in the account of when Jehoshaphat and Ahab are coming together to form this alliance to go into battle. So Ahab calls all of his prophets and says, are we going to prevail in battle? And all the prophets who were on Ahab's payroll are just going to tell him what he wants to hear, because that's what they're paid to do. So they all tell him, oh yes, go forth, you're going to win the battle, you're, everything's going to be okay, you will be victorious, go forth in the name of the Lord. And Jehoshaphat's going, um, wait, <laughs> can we get a second opinion? Is there another prophet here that, because these guys are all, you know, telling you what you want to hear. They're not telling us what maybe we need to hear. And I love Ahab's response. Well, I don't love it, but <laughs> it's kind of humorous, actually, when you think about it. He says, you know, Joshua, there is this one guy, but I hate his guts. I think he actually says that. I hate him because all he ever does is prophesy against me. In fact, he's in prison for doing that. And Jehoshaphat's like, hey, let's just hear what he has to say. So Ahab sends his men to get him out of prison. And the men go to Micaiah and they're like, Micaiah, okay, here's the deal. Let me tell you what's going down. All of the prophets have told Ahab what he wants to hear, but Jehoshaphat wants you, and Ahab sent us to get you. And so when you get there before Ahab, you tell him the same thing that all the other prophets said. Micaiah's like, okay, whatever. Yeah, right. So he actually does, all sarcastic and everything. So he's brought before Ahab and Jehoshaphat. And it's what, what say you, Micaiah? So he prophesied, he said, yeah, go forth, you're all going to be victorious. And he was for lunch. Well, Ahab picks up on it. Certainly Jehoshaphat picks up on it. And Ahab turns to Jehoshaphat and says, see, what did I tell you? Look at, look at how sarcastic and facetious he is. And you know, okay, Micaiah, tell us the truth. He said, you want the truth? <laughs> he tells him the truth. Basically said, you're going to die in battle, Ahab. Have a nice evening. That's the truth. And then what does Ahab do? Puts him back in prison. And he says, do not let him out until I return and prove this prophecy wrong. There's only one problem. Prophecy wasn't wrong. He was speaking the truth. And so what happens? Ahab goes into battle and he's killed in battle exactly as Micaiah said. Jeremiah by the way, when we're done with Isaiah, which we have six more chapters, you know what comes after Isaiah? Jeremiah. He's affectionately referred to as the weeping prophet. And here he's commanded and called to prophesy judgment and warn the people, and no one takes heed. And it was so hard. And he, he is told by God to speak the words that God puts on his lips to speak, knowing that they will not be popular. In fact, not only will they not be popular, they will be rejected. And it's not Jeremiah they're rejecting, they're rejecting God. But he warned them, and no blood on his hands. 
No blood on Ezekiel's hands, no blood on Isaiah's hands, and that's for all the prophets for that matter. And then you get to the New Testament with the Apostle Paul, the beloved Apostle Paul, no blood on his hands. Because there is coming a day when every single pastor, leader, teacher will give an account and be judged by a stricter standard. Okay, boy, am I glad to... Now let's talk about you. (laughs) Well, I'm a Christian first before I'm a pastor, by the way. I hope you know that. I'm your brother in Christ first. Now, if I'm your pastor, I'm so privileged to be that. But I'm first and foremost your brother in Christ. So this is for all of us. (laughs) I tried, but it's for all of us, myself included. You know, and, and please just hang in there with me, but we as Christians can either be a joy or a burden. You, you realize that, right? As Christians, as a body of believers, you're either going to be the problem, which by the way, that was the Bible study on Thursday night. I, I chose to title it, I'm the problem. How's that for a title? I'm the problem. Because you know, God has a problem. Not that God has problems, but the problem is not God. I'm the problem. I'm I'm the problem. And we as Christians can be the problem and cause problems and be a burden be a troublemaker, and it disrupts that body of believers, and it brings in what we're going to talk about next, which is conflict and strife and division. The body cannot be divided. The body has to be united. Now, for those of you that were with us when we went through 1 Corinthians, wow, what a, what a book. We survived it. We should get t-shirts. I survived 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians was a little bit different, but the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, has to rebuke these Corinthian Christians. And it's brutal, man. I mean, there was so much conflict in this church. In fact, we're going to see here in a moment, it was so bad especially when it came to communion, that some of the Corinthian Christians were actually getting sick and dying because they were mistreating the body of Christ, not discerning the body, the way they were treating their brothers and sisters in Christ. In other words, it rose to that level of them getting sick and even dying. Eh, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get to that. But I want to draw your attention to chapter 12, 1 Corinthians. I want to begin reading in verse 14. Here the Apostle Paul is going to describe very detailed how the body is to function, a healthy body of believers that is united, not divided. So he says, verse 14, even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, 
I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body, verse 17, were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, first of all that would be freaky, where would the sense of smell be? You see where he's going? But in fact, verse 18, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Oh, you don't, do you? <laughs> Can you imagine that? Hey, what happens when you accidentally hit your thumb with a hammer? What does your body do? Oh, it's okay. Starts kissing on it, loving on it, rubbing it, you know, praying for it. Oh Lord, please heal this, you know. Th and by the way, when, when you hurt one part of the body, doesn't your whole body feel it? I mean, it's kind of like my foot. What, I hit my thumb. My foot's going, hey, what happened? Wait, you're, you're all the way down there. Yeah, but I felt that. You're the foot. It wasn't you, it was the thumb. Yeah, but when one part of the body is hurt, the whole body feels it. That's if the body's united. So, as, as it is, verse 20, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. You'll forgive the humor, but can we just play that one out? So the head says to the feet, I don't need you. Boom, down you go. Oh, you don't need me, do you? I'm kind of keeping you upright, head. You do need me. You may not like me, but you need me, because I'm part of the same body. Don't look at the person sitting next to you. <laughs> I don't know if they're the feet, the hand, the eye, the ear, what. Some people say, I'm the armpit in the body of Christ. I just stink. Okay, that's fine. You're still part of the body. I'll just let the Holy Spirit minister that one to you. Verse 22, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Verse 24, while our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be, listen, no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. In other words, it goes both ways. So you know what was happening there in the Corinthian church. I mean, they were at each other's throats. And they had formed what we call cliques. You know what I'm talking about? Cliques. Little click over here, and this is our group, and you can't be a part of our group. 
<laughs> and then and then here's this other group over here. Well, I'm I'm part of this group and then you got this other brother or sister in Christ over here and apparently they are I guess not needed. They're not feeling the love. <laughs> oh, by the way, you know what chapter comes after chapter 12? I know this is deeply profound, but chapter 13. You know what chapter 13 is about, right? The love chapter. But it's not the love chapter like we like to think it is. It's, <laughs> you Corinthians think you know what love is? That's not love. Love is, and thus we have 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He's rebuking them. They were unloving one to another. They were mistreating each other. And this is the body of Christ. And again, I don't want to get ahead of myself, as we're going to see next, but they were actually abusing the body of Christ. How do you get there? Because we're all different parts of the same body, the body of Christ, and Jesus is the head, right? Let's take our thumb again, and we, we hit our thumb, right? Could you imagine? I hit my thumb. You deserve to be hit and smashed. I hope you bleed to death. Wow, where's the love? I'm, I'm part of the body. Uh, that's what they were doing. I know that's a kind of a silly illustration, but for lack of a better one, they were mistreating the body of Christ. They were mistreating those parts of the body that they saw as being nothing, don't need you. Why are you even here? Who invited you? And then this was taking place at the love feast when they would break bread together. And some of those Christians, if you can imagine, at these feasts, these, I'll put it into modern day terms, at these potlucks at Calvary Chapel, Corinth, <laughs> they weren't allowed to eat. And that was the only meal some of them got all week. Because when they decided to follow Jesus, they lost everything, their jobs, their families, their friends, they were disowned. They lost their livelihood. And so that meal at church, that feast, that potluck, if you prefer, was the only meal that some of them would have all week, the only real meal. And they were starving, and they would go hungry. And here's the Lord through the Apostle Paul saying, wait a minute, they're part of the body. That's my body. You're depriving my body. You're not discerning the body. You're mistreating the body. You, you fancy yourself as being and thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. You fancy yourself as being indispensable in the body of Christ, because after all, look at who you are. And here's this person over here and you won't let them eat and partake of the eating and the drinking. That's why it rose, again I'm getting ahead of myself, that's why it rose to the level 
that it did, as we're going to see now. Okay, so leaders, Christians, let's talk about the church as a whole. Here's the third why, lastly. A church can either be united in love or divided by conflict. Now, if we're a body, one body, united together, functioning together, by the way, this is probably as good of a time as any, just real quick, if you don't mind, the best illustration I ever heard about the assembling together of the body of believers was that of taking a watch and all of the parts to that watch and just gathering them there here on my pulpit. Nothing is functioning, nothing is operating. Those parts have to be assembled. All of the intricate springs and little parts that function together, then when they're assembled, not just gathered, when they're assembled they become one, and they're united and they're functioning together. You know what they call cells in the body that are not united? Cancer. Cancer. And in a sense, this is a a spiritual cancer that has the potential to spread within the body, just as cancer spreads in the human body, so too can a spiritual cancer of division spread throughout the body of Christ. And it's just a matter of time when it does. That's what's at stake here. This is why this is so serious. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Please, when I read this and you follow along, please hear this as the Apostle Paul, I mean, he is pleading, he's begging them. And he's just starting out the epistle. This is in the first chapter. Of course, there were no chapter breaks in the original, you know, manuscripts and and letters. They came later, but this is early on in his letter. And verse 10 of chapter 1, he says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, and in the same judgment. In other words, come together, unite yourself together. Don't be divided. Don't let there be divisions among you. I mean, he's he's pleading with, and by the way, I know this is going to mess up your image of the Apostle Paul as being this, you know, this is the Apostle Paul we're talking about. He cried like a man. Oh, he says, Acts chapter 20, that he wept three years, every day, all day, every night, all night. He wept for them. (laughs) Pardon me. Why? Because he knew that after he left, there was going to be those from within their own numbers, their own midst, that would come in as wolves in sheep's clothing, and they wouldn't spare the flock. And he loved them so much. And he wanted to protect them from that which he knew would happen to them if division was allowed. 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Throughout much of this book, Jesus is mentioned as the great high priest. Aren't you glad that you can go directly to him with your troubles? There's no need for an intermediary person to bridge the gap. Jesus became that bridge when he died on the cross. If you'd like to know or understand more about this concept, we encourage you to go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com and look for the resources tab. Under that, there's a link to the ABCs of salvation. This provides an in-depth overview of what it means to believe that Jesus died for your sins and saves you from a life and eternity without him. Hebrews simply touches on the fact that Jesus fulfilled all the things that were promised in the Old Testament. It's like when you're reading a spy novel and you're given clues earlier on, but then it all makes sense in the end. Would you like to connect with others in their faith walk? If you're not currently part of a church, join us at Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30, 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. You can find directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you might be interested in some additional teachings by Pastor J.D., including his Mideast Prophecy Updates. This is an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this current time in the world's history. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for the next edition as we learn more valuable things from the book of Hebrews right here on In Spirit and Truth. To 